Positively Speaking, a podcast that explores the experiences of people living with HIV. I'm your host, Liz Creel. I'm a social worker at Casey House, a subacute specialty hospital in Toronto, providing inpatient and outpatient care for people living with or at risk of HIV. This is the last episode of season two. It was inspired by the unique and powerful relationship our clients describe they have with their pets and the central role these animals play in enhancing their quality of life. So we decided to end this season featuring our clients describing that animal connection they have with their pets in their own words. In this episode, you'll hear from Alex, whose dog Flanders got him through some very dark and difficult times. You'll also hear from Kenneth, who talks about Olson, his service dog. And lastly, you'll hear from a number of clients at Casey House who speak of what their pets mean to them. But before we get started, a couple of comments about the importance of pets to our well-being. According to the Centre for Disease Control and Prevention, studies have shown that the bond between people and their pets is linked to several health benefits, including decreased blood pressure, cholesterol levels and triglyceride levels, and decreased feelings of loneliness, anxiety, and symptoms of PTSD. Many of our clients at Casey House talk about the important role their pets play in their lives. And during the pandemic, their pets took on an even more important role. First up is Alex. Alex is part of the peer team at Casey House. Alex went through varying periods of severe illness before the advent of combination therapies in the 1990s led to a breakthrough in his health and life expectancy. Here he tells us about his HIV diagnosis and 40-year journey managing his illness. I became HIV positive uh, 39 years ago, going on 40. <laughs> um, lucky to be here. Uh, however, in that time frame, I have certainly experienced a lot of things that, uh, as a long-term survivor, has been very uh, challenging. When I was diagnosed back in 1983, of course, there were no medications but I remember being told I had two years to live and that I should get my affairs in order. And so I didn't have much hope at that point. By uh, March 80, uh, 96, rather, um, they started to come out with combination therapy. I was one of the first 20 people in Vancouver uh, to be offered it. And so I was really blessed to, to have a, another chance at uh, a healthy life. As Alex's health stabilized, he was able to focus on work, on relationships, and on other aspects of building a healthy and fulfilled life. Here he describes introducing a pet as part of that equation. I entered into a long-term relationship. And then at the same time, I decided it was, it was um, a time in my life when I could actually take on a pet and add that to the mix. And so uh, I, back in, in 2006... I purchased uh, a little Bichon and named him Flanders. He was eight weeks old when I brought him home. And uh, he was, he fit into the palm of my hand. I, I just remember so distinctly coming home with him in the car. And, and uh, he was so small and fragile. And, and um, he became my child, essentially. So I, uh, I fell in love with this little creature immediately. And he was uh, many things to me, uh, sort of a companion. It could be my conscience at times. He provided me with some solace when things got very sort of challenging at work and also 
probably in my relationship, uh, as as would be um, with a lot of people, I think. But unconditional love, which of course doesn't come along in many ways, and and certainly with a dog, you you get that. While a pet can fill the void of isolation, there's a lot to consider in taking on that responsibility. Alex understood the commitment that was necessary in getting a dog. I think that's why when I got Flanders, and I made that real, that, that solid decision to commit at that point, I, I also decided that I was going to give him the most amount of attention I could possibly give, and to, to really commit to his care, and, and as much as he could give to me, I was going to get back. Flanders didn't expect much in return, he was just spoiled rotten. Because I worked such long hours initially, and uh, I felt that it was important that he had maximum socialization, and, and had, I wanted him to be a happy dog. Uh, he had full-time daycare. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I didn't do was send him to college. If I were to come back as another being or another uh, thing in, in the future, I would like to come back as my dog. Along with the emotional commitment, Alex points out that having a pet also has financial implications. What I would say is that there is a huge commitment financially as much as emotionally to having an animal and uh, having a pet. And whether it's a cat or a dog, I have to remember that you know there, there will be visits to the, to the vet, which you may not be prepared for in terms of finance. So it's always important to know that you need to have some kind of safety net in place, whether it's insurance or something set aside for, for one of those days when you are really going to be desperate to keep that, that animal alive. Flanders was always there when Alex's health declined. After living such a long time with HIV and his health fluctuating, Flanders provided much needed motivation for Alex to keep going. There was that uh, coexistence that at times I don't think I would have survived without. You know, he, he could be there when I wasn't feeling well, of course, and, and they just sense when you're not feeling well and when your mood is not up or when you just need some kind of, of reassurance that, you know, things aren't as bad as they, they appear. Alex's story reminds us not to underestimate the importance and the value that a pet has in the lives of people living with HIV. At Casey House, we see many instances where people have declined an inpatient admission because they didn't have anyone to care for their pet. Flanders has been, uh, to me, uh, what a child would be to, I guess, a parent. Uh, being a gay man, I, I never anticipated having children, so um, this is as close as I'm, I'm ever going to experience that. You know, it's a daily kind of um, experience taking care of, of a dog, and, and just that little creature depends on you for, for everything, essentially. So we were very much attached to one another. For Alex, Flanders was vital for his physical and emotional health. From an emotional perspective, he provided me a, a certain a sense that I, I was not alone and that I could certainly continue to uh, exist in a healthy manner. He gave me a reason to live. Uh, at times when I really didn't see much purpose in, in getting out of bed. And if you don't have a partner, I truly believe that how you interact with that other creature 
can be um, incredibly beneficial to your, your overall health. And I have Flanders to thank for that in the last 15 years. He, um, he provided me that, that solid basis to get up in the morning and, and want to live. During the pandemic, while many people decided to get a pet, sadly, Alex had to say goodbye to Flanders. This has been a particularly difficult time during COVID. When I said goodbye to Flanders in, in January, um, you know, we were, were still in the, the COVID period. Um, his sight had gone, his hearing had gone, and, um, and at that point, it was a difficult decision for me, extremely difficult. Um, to say goodbye and uh, I resisted for quite a while I do find myself waking up in the middle of the night and I do find myself crying and and um, and it's hard to shake more memories that that are difficult now because when you see your pet pass before you um, it's it's not an easy memory to to put in the back of your head uh, your mind um, but that being said all the wonderful memories certainly uh, outweigh that. And um, yeah, I just can't imagine not having him in my life. An update on Alex. Early in 2023, Alex decided it was time to get another dog in his life. So he adopted Zero Goodman, or Goodman, and is happily getting to know his new companion. I forgot what it was like to deal with that kind of energy on an ongoing daily basis. It was uh, over 17 years ago that Flanders, I came into my life and uh, I was a lot younger. But that being said, um, I'm really, I'm so happy that I, I got uh, Goodwin. He's, he's a bit of a hellion on uh, four paws, so to speak, but he can be the sweetest and most affectionate dog as well. So. I can't wait to continue this journey with him. Next up is Kenneth. While Alex got a pet for companionship, the role of Kenneth's dog was beyond a pet. His dog played a pivotal role in helping him to adapt to his new condition and helped him to lead a more independent life. My name is Kenneth. I am a Casey House client, as well as I'm also a community member I am about 62 years old and living with HIV for over 35 years. I also have a pet. His name is Olsen. And he is a standard poodle. He's brown in color. And literally speaking, he's more than just a pet or a dog for me. He is also a service dog because I am visually impaired. And... He is also my guide dog. There are several organizations that train service dogs in Ontario. As of January 2023, Service Dogs Canada estimate that there are over 55,000 service dogs in Canada. And Kenneth has one of them. I have Olsen for over five years. Uh, he came from uh, a guide dog school in Ontario. Uh, it's called the Lions Foundation Dog Guide. So normally, when a service dog is trained, they usually give it to the handler, like myself, uh, when they are two years old. When you apply to a guide dog school, 
you fill an application with your health record, why you need a service dog, you need to have some uh, sort of uh, assurance from other nonprofit organizations such as uh, Canadian National Institute for the Blind or Balance for Blind Adults to certify that you are fully capable to have a service dog. As previously mentioned, Kenneth went to the Lions Foundation of Canada Dog Guide School. Olson is his third dog, and there's a reason that Kenneth has a poodle. Most of the service dogs are Labrador, Golden Retriever, uh, sometimes German Shepherd, but in Canada, they're fading out German Shepherd as a service dog. I don't have a choice, but the reasons why they give a poodle for me because I do have mild asthma. Poodle, um, they are very smart, too smart for their own goods, right? Knowing They know that I am visually in, impaired, I can't see very well at all. So sometimes they just put their head into the table and s- slowly sneak out and stole one of, uh, a couple bites of my muffins. It's important to make the distinction between a dog that's a pet and a service dog. Kenneth reminds us of the difference. If you happen to see a service dog. Normally, a service dog will have a a leather harness or a metal harness. And if they are on the harness, they are working. The best way to treat, let's say for my dog, Olsen, will be ignore him, not even calling his name so you won't distract him. Uh, But if he's off the harness, then he become a pet. Once he's on the harness, his whole personality change. He's a little bit more focused, a little bit more uh, pay attention to me. But once he's off the harness, he's a different animal. The trust that Kenneth needs to have in Olsen is vital. I must say Olsen is very good to avoid obstacle, as well as in terms of sound, I'm living in downtown Toronto. And there's a lot of constructions, uh, you know, fixing the sidewalk. He will just sort of keep me safe to gear out the sidewalk, a walk and go through the construction site without any hesitation. I need to know the route, how many uh, street I have to cross over, right? When I make a right, when I make a left, right? Um, so normally, as a service dog, they will... When they get close to the curb, they will stop at the curb. And, or if I knew there is an intersection coming up, I would say find the curb. And I will have to listen to the traffic myself. When I feel safe to cross, I will use the command say forward. If there is another obstacle or if somebody is standing in the middle of the sidewalk, he will slow down. Or they will make an adjustment to see if they can pass by this obstacle or this pedestrian without it's safe for me and him to pass. So he will analyze or he was trained to make sure there is enough room for him and Olsen to go through this obstacle. As you've heard from Kenneth, Olsen's job is to help navigate Kenneth safely in public spaces. However, he's much more to Kenneth than a navigator. I took him to the dog park twice a day. Uh, I will let him socialize and play with other dogs, maybe for half an hour to 45 minutes, 
depending on the weather and give him a chance to meet with other dog, let him play with that dog as long as I can keep him safe. Bear in mind that he's a service dog, so he's played a big part of my life. But I also want him to be a dog, so he will play with other dog. He will find me a bench, and once I take, once I he find me a park bench, I would he set me down. And it's an empty spot, and then I sat down, and then I take him off the harness, and he goes. He's gone <laughs> for maybe ten, uh, fifteen. He always check on me. One good thing about Ozzy, he always check on me. When I bring him back at home, his harness is off, so he become a pet. Normally, he will uh, chill out. He knows, oh, I'm tired. Well, okay. he would chill out for maybe forty five minutes to an hour. Then uh, I will feed him. If not feeding him, his routine is very predictable. Ozen is because when I feed him, after feeding him, within ten minutes he will go to his toy box to pick up toys and then bring the toys to me and ask me to play with him. So we play together to squeaky toys for maybe ten fifteen minutes. Uh, Sometimes he will bring balls to me, ask me to throw, and and he he will cha- uh, return it back to me. And I think Olsen, between me and Olsen, the bonding is very good. We asked Alex and Kenneth if they had a take-home message for the audience. Here's what they had to say. I truly believe that the benefits of having a, a pet, whether it's a dog or fish or turtle or what have you, um, can really extend one's life or quality of life. A lot of people are looking for pet recently because of COVID, because everybody's lonely. But I just want to send a message to anyone who wants to adopt a dog. You have to think about there's a huge commitment. It's not just in having a pet to keep the owners happy, but also you have to provide unconditional love. Restrictions were eased, and we invited interested clients to come to the courtyard at Casey House to introduce their pet and share something about them for this episode. Here's some of what they had to say. My name is Johnson, and my dog's name is Nikki. Nikki came into the room and looked at me, and she said, You're mine. I chose her because she has a medical issues, and I had medical issues as well. So I wanted to give her a chance. Her nickname is Houdini. She flew from Fredericton to Ottawa. By the time we got to Ottawa, she realized how to get her fingers or nails out and unzip the dog carrier. So I'm half asleep, and all of a sudden, this head comes out of nowhere. <laughs> Hi, Jeremy. I, I I miss my husband a lot, and I, I honestly think they keep me out of hospital because when I when I lost him. Um, uh, I would get a lot of so lonely that I would have have suicidal thoughts. The cats kept me, they just kept me active and they they kept me so that um, I wasn't wasn't alone. I think everyone should have a cat or a dog or or an animal. I think it adds adds value to 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 their life and and time to their life. 
My name is Norman, and my dog is Eponine. She was three months old when I first saw it, and she still had the one floppy ear. And for a gay single man, my life is my dog, and, and she's been she's been a wonderful joy. I'm Judy, and this is my dog Chanel. And I got her right after my mom passed away, and she was godsend. I quit smoking, I quit all my habits. I didn't want her inhaling the smoke, but I quit a lot of stuff because of uh, my dog and because of my health. And she, she turned out to be a really good dog. My name is Bruce, and this is my little baby, Minnie, who's a sweetheart. And she has certainly added brightness to my life. Just having her there and her sweet little self and to be able to stroke her and massage her calms me greatly. Everybody in the dog park loves Minnie because she is a rare chihuahua who barely barks at all. She is an amazing little dog. Uh, Tim O'Reilly, and my, my new baby is called Cashew. Cashew's a Yorkie Terrier. I've got um, Cookie. I have Dolly. A teeny weeny. They keep me going. It's like children, you know, because my children are all grown up. These guys are my children. Like, I don't think of them as dogs. No, I love them. They give me... They make me feel alive, you know, instead of getting depressed and... Like the way I used to be. Now I just like, I got to stick around for my kids. My name is Jesse Morales. I'm from Costa Rica. I have the lucky guy in the world. They have two beautiful puppies. The name is Kino and Nico. They are chihuahuas. I'll be honest with you. I have, um, I get depressed when I get noticed that I was HIV. Because I didn't know what kind of life I can have after that. But I get it, Kino, and uh, it's my support. It's basically my baby, my life. And after all, one year later, um, Kino was a little sad. So um, I decided to get another one, Nico. And um, I don't need to have a boyfriend because I have, <laughs> I have these, two boys, these two boys. They like really fill my life. In this episode, we heard about Flanders, who Alex described as his lifeline. Flanders was his family and motivated Alex to focus on his health and well-being. He provided love and companionship. We also heard about Olson, Kenneth's service dog, who not only helps Kenneth navigate the city streets safely as a working dog, but also brings joy and loving friendship as a pet. Thank you to Alex and Kenneth for sharing their stories and their unique relationship with their dogs. And also thanks to Jonathan, Jeremy, Norman, Tim, Judy, Bruce, and Jesse for their courtyard comments about their pets. We would also like to extend our thanks to everybody who directly or indirectly contributed and supported this podcast. 
thanks to Joanne Simons, CEO of Casey House, for believing in this project and who provided consistent support and confidence in our editorial choices. Also thanks to Lisa McDonald and Rosin Lee for ensuring the podcast was made available and accessible to all. And thank you to our clients who were so generous in sharing their stories. We're proud to have been given the opportunity to have your voices front and center in every episode. And also special gratitude and thanks to Eric and the other clients who we lost during the production of this podcast. Thank you. If you have any comments or questions about this episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at caseyhouse.ca. You can also visit our website at caseyhouse.ca for a transcript of this episode, a glossary of terms, and links to other resources. This episode was written and produced by Andre Sorrento, Amanda Crawford, and me, Liz Creel. The music was composed and performed by Nick Nausbaum. Our sound engineer was David Mata. Also thanks to Adam McGee, Tony Boston, and Federico Gutierrez for their creative input and support. Remember to subscribe to Positively Speaking on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for listening.